Here we go. The playoffs are nearly upon us. San Francisco 49ers and Seattle Seahawks in the wild card round Saturday. The keys to victory, what the 49ers have to do to beat those Seattle Seahawks. Coming at you right now. You are Locked On 49ers, your daily San Francisco 49ers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On 49ers. Brian Peacock and Eric Crocker with you as always at BD Peacock at Eric underscore Crocker. Thanks for making us your first listen here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. I want to start with the injury report, Croc, because. This is the cleanest injury report I think the 49ers have had all year going into the playoffs. There's teams that don't have their quarterbacks. Now, look, the 49ers lost a quarterback, and luckily their third-string quarterback turned out to be pretty darn good in Brock Purdy compared to maybe Baltimore or Miami's third-string quarterbacks that might be starting games for him this weekend. It might give the 49ers a really good shot, even a better shot to win because of how well he's playing, and those teams have no shots. So uh, props to the 49ers for develop themselves a, um, a third-string quarterback like Brock Purdy, who is is playing out of his mind right now for the 49ers, uh, is pretty unbelievable. But looking at the rest of this injury report, two guys are out. Jimmy G, which we already knew, and Ambry Thomas with his ankle. That's it. Everyone else, uh, Aaron Banks, Demetrius Flanagan-Foles, and especially Dre Greenlaw was a big one. Banks and Greenlaw, two starters that uh, have been banged up. They are fully cleared to play. Everybody else who was... Uh, had any illnesses, uh, any limited practices or whatever all week look like they're good to go for the 49ers. So it's about as good an injury report, I think, as the 49ers could have hoped for this week going into the playoffs. Healthy, hot streak, and it, it kind of you know, get 2019 vibes when the 49ers enter the playoffs and they started getting guys back, got guys back like Quan uh, uh, Alexander, and it was just kind of this, this hype about the team, man. And I'm, I'm starting to feel that a little bit. Nice little bounce to this squad. Are you getting overconfident, Croc, in this one? The 49ers with uh, looking at bet online, nine and a half. It's kind of teeter between 10 and nine and a half point favorites, the biggest favorites of the weekend to start the, the wild card round Saturday. Uh, are, is there a little overconfidence happening right now, potentially? I, you know, I asked that question early on, and I'm like, man, you know, I just remember back, and I just probably 2019, and I was confident with the team, but it was just like, <sighs> all right, you know, you still get those butterflies. And, and then going to the Packers game, there's those butterflies. I was actually there at the NFC Championship game. And then even last year, you know, you go week one, it's Dallas Cowboys. I was there at that game. And it's like, oh, okay, you know, these butterflies. And, and then you go to Green Bay, it's the cold. And there was never that just feeling of, oh, man, we got this. And that's how I feel right now. And it's like, man, am I overconfident? No, listen, I, I see, I hear fans all the time. Guys, we must remain humble. Like, listen, we have no outcome. We, we don't have anything to do with the outcome of this game. Like, you can be as cocky or confident as you want. But for me, it, it's like, am I overlooking the Seahawks too much? Because right now, I just feel like this is just a W for the 49ers. I like what Roger's saying here. And I think that this is where, where the 49ers are at, I'm sure. Uh, Roger says, so ready for Saturday. Respect your opponent and handle business. And I, I think that's where you're at. This is a business trip even though the 49ers aren't going anywhere they're staying home to play this game but it's got to be all business still even though you are favored in this one and I think maybe some some confidence from from 49ers fans out there and and I'm pretty confident in this football team too but I, I here's a here's a big one for me and, and the first key to victory here already brought up Brock Purdy 
And I think that's still the biggest key to victory. This is going to be the first time, Croc, that a team and a coach gets to play Brock Purdy for the second time in the NFL. And Pete Carroll's a pretty darn good coach. So I don't know how different it's going to look from whatever that scheme they put together against the 49ers offense last time. But is the kid ready for the playoffs and extra scrutiny, extra spotlight? Are we going to start to see those rookie moments? Because there's just like even whoever, Josh Allen making some funky throws in, in the red zone. We saw Aaron Rodgers throw some bad interceptions in the red zone this year. Even great quarterbacks can make some mistakes. We haven't seen rookie a lot of rookie mistakes from Brock Purdy. And you hope it doesn't rear its ugly head now, but uh, that's the number one key to victory for me and, and seeing if the, if it makes a difference when a team starts to have a book on him. And, and this is the first time Brock Purdy's going to see a team for the second time in his NFL career. I, I will say this, and I think we just kind of gloss over that game that was in Seattle, and that was big time, right? It was Brock Purdy on the road, uh, Seattle. They, they've been this big time rivalry. And that game, they, they the Seahawks scored a touchdown kind of late to make the score look a little different. But the 49ers didn't really, at least on the offensive side of the ball, really dominate the game, I think, as we think. And, and there was like a dropped interception by Diggs that just, I mean, it, it hit him right here, right? I don't think Brock Purdy ever saw him, didn't read on, get a read on him or anything, hit him right in the chest. The 49ers kind of won that game on a couple of plays. And I'd say in these other games, it's like, man, you just see the 49ers hammering them and it's just unstoppable down the stretch and the defense, and whatever. But in this game, it was, you had a blown coverage when they just, I don't know, nobody just guarded George Kittle down the field. You also had the little double fake uh, screen and then an interception or a, four, a fumble. There was a fumble recovered and ran back to like the four yard line that set up a, a, a score outside of that it wasn't like as impressive as the other game so if I'm the Seahawks I look back at that game and I say look and I see Lake City Fresh he says Demo did have a pick callback so th there was that as well but from an offensive standpoint because we're talking about Brock Purdy right now if I'm the Seahawks I, I'm saying look if we don't bust this coverage and we don't drop this interception like, we win this game. Like, if I'm Pete Curl, that's what I'm saying. So whatever they did that game, um, outside of those busted coverages, I think they probably did a good job against Purdy, which, again, our expectations at that time were much different of them. Right, and and good point brought up in the chat, which I kind of forgot about. Because remember, that was on the road. You're trying to go win the division. Short week, Thursday, and Brock Purdy was kind of banged up in that game. So yeah, yeah, the, in a lot of ways, that week. was a more difficult test than this one is going to be. Right. So, but if I'm so if I'm them, and I'm trying to look at it from the Seahawks perspective, I'm looking at those plays and like, look, if we don't drop this pick, we don't bust this coverage, like, we we win this game. Like that's what I would say to them. Here's another key, Croc. And Hank asked the question: Is it supposed to rain heavy uh, in San Fran on Saturday? Um, it is supposed to rain heavy in San Francisco. Supposed to rain heavy uh, in the North Bay and the East Bay and all along the California coast uh, and in Santa Clara as well, where Levi's Stadium is. It is supposed to rain heavy and sideways. And I've seen anywhere from one inch to eight inches potentially falling. Like yeah. it's going to be another big one. So that might change things as well. That that might make this thing a little different, a little ugly. And for the 49ers, I think you want the cleanest game possible because you're a better football team. You should be able to go in there and beat the Seahawks. You don't want weirdness like weather potentially 
causing some some kind of funky business like we saw in week one with the 49ers losing and all of a sudden you know uh maybe you bust a coverage and there's you know a turnover here or there somebody fumbles because it's wet and sloppy and it's an ugly game and it's close and then all of a sudden the fourth quarter it really starts coming down and the game essentially is ended early because you can't come back on that. So that that worries me a little bit. I would say the weather in a lot of cases could be that weird um, factor that that leveling factor that keeps the teams from keeps the 49ers from showing how much better they are than the Seahawks. And I do think they are a better football team top to bottom. That, I mean, that was week one, right? Against Chicago Bears. Remember, 49ers jumped out to a 10-0 lead, yep. but there was some weird stuff that happened. Debo Samuel fumbled inside the five-yard line. Um, and then a couple busted plays by the defense, and all of a sudden you find yourself behind, and then it starts storming so bad that it's like, damn, how can we play in this? And you lose a game that you should have easily won. And you, you don't – it's the elements that kind of is the equalizer because I think if it was good conditions in that game, it's not close in that Bears game week one. So I, I think that's a good point to kind of bring that up, that this weather can change things and just make it more – like, all right, yeah, you're the better team, but on this game, on this day, some weird things can happen to where it's a little more even. Oliver says, half an inch of rain max, and mostly in the AM, no worries. Uh, I, I don't know if Oliver is a weatherman, but he's wearing a suit in his his photo there, so uh, I, <laughs> I trust what he's got to say there. Uh, John, I saw said, somebody say eight inches. Now, listen, I don't know. Yeah, I don't even know what I've the seen. hell eight inches, the inches of rain and snow, I, I don't even know what that stuff is, but <laughs> yeah, I know that really California funny. gets a lot less than Arkansas. There was a really that. ominous one I saw earlier today on Twitter that, that was talking about eight inches and then some really gnarly one. We've had some really bad storms and it said it was as bad or worse than some of those that we've seen coming in. So we'll see what it actually looks like talking about, you know, sideways rain, uh, some wind, which in a lot of ways, wind will affect the football game more so than it being wet and rain in a lot of ways. And, and we've seen the turf look pretty well, even though there's been a lot of rain in uh, in the Bay Area over the course of the last couple of weeks. So it hasn't affected the turf. We'll see what it looks like there whether it's a half inch or eight inches of rain, uh, I don't know, but the 49ers are going to have to handle some business. More keys to victory coming up. I want to get into the chat. Let us know what do you guys think is the key to victory. Any secret superstars in this game that you'll be looking out for that could tip the game in or away from the 49ers' favor in the wild card playoff rounds against those rival Seattle Seahawks, Niners Seahawks part three. More on this one coming up next. Today's episode is presented in part by LinkedIn. As a small business owner or hiring manager, you know that success in 2023 all depends on the team members you surround yourself with. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs, you can hire qualified candidates more efficiently by matching open roles with people who have the skills, values, and experiences to help you achieve your goals. And why not go to the the place where there's 800 million members at LinkedIn to uh, find the right resumes, the right people, the right folks, get your, uh, get your job posting in front of the right eyeballs and the most qualified candidates. And then utilize those, uh, those, the things that are set in place there on, on LinkedIn jobs to help you whittle down the skills and experience and all the folks you are trying to find. They, they will filter it all for you to find the best candidates and fast. And of course, for free. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnNFL. That's LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnNFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions of life. 
Built Bar, still doing amazing things. By the way, Built Bar, you can start to find on some store shelves as well, not just available at Built.com, although you still can go to Built.com to get yourself a box of Built Bars. If you're looking for that delicious treat but don't want all the fat and calories, then you got to try Built Bar. And, of course, get through the holidays and into the new year, and everyone's trying to eat better with Built Healthy is actually tasty, so deliciously tasty, and most bars are covered in 100% real chocolate, so you feel like you're getting a treat. So here's what you do. You go to whatever candy stash that you've got, those bags of chips that you got hidden away, whether it's at your desk at work or in the glove box or your car, this is where you reach for a snack maybe when you're on your way to work or on your way home and you can't wait for dinner or in your pantry, wherever it is, get rid of those snacks that are terrible for you and throw in a box of Built Bars. Most Built Bars have only 130 calories and 4 grams of sugar with a whopping 17 grams of protein and flavors like churro, peanut butter, brownie, and coconut almond. And now you can find them on your local Walmart or Sam's Club shelves as as well as some other places as well. Pick up a four-box of cookies and cream, double chocolate, or coconut puffs in the pharmacy section at your local Walmart, or, of course, you can find them at Built dot com all right crock you think just because the 49ers are really good run the football and the 49ers are a good defensive team do you think a wet rainy game could actually help the 49ers versus the seahawks when you look at how both teams are built and maybe suppressing any of those fluky deep passing plays now we still saw those in week one, so maybe that's not uh, its not really a thing. But I just feel like even with bad weather, I still think it, it kind of skews things in the 49ers' favor just because they're a team that can run the ball and play defense. And if it gets sloppy and you have to win a low-scoring game, I think the 49ers can win that kind of game. I think the biggest thing isn't even so much about like the style of play for either team. It's about who's going to make the least mistakes. Like Again, I, you know, we referenced week one and what that game was like and what the weather was like. And if Debo doesn't fumble inside the five, it might look a little different, right? Like just things like that that are more so like self-inflicted wounds where it's like, hey, we, you know, potentially can control this, but the weather might make this moment a little weird or a little different. So I think it's kind of limiting those things more so than just the style of play because I think both teams want to run, they want to run the ball. Like Kenneth Walker's back there at running back. He's ran for like, over 100 yards the last three times he's been back there toting the rock. So uh, they want to give him the ball early and often. 49ers, they want to run the ball and do things off of that. Uh, Seattle, they want to set up some big shots downfield at Tyler Rocket and DK Metcalf. So uh, as far as style of play, I think they, they want to play kind of similar. But it's those little mistakes. And, and again, shoot, I talked about the Seahawks game earlier. Same thing. What, what did I say kind of changed the dynamics of that game and made it look, what I think, worse than what it really was? It was a fumble by... I think, what, Homer or whoever the running back was for Seattle Seahawks, and the 49ers picked up and ran it back inside the five. Like, that was a huge play that made that game much more out of hand than what it really was. Lauren in the chat says, whoever has more success running the ball, the stats point heavily in favor of the Niners on that. Uh, Speaking of Kenny Walker, uh, yesterday with the crossover episode with Corbin Smith of Locked On Seahawks, I mentioned kind of jokingly, and he scoffed at it, uh, and I knew he would, but I said Brock Purdy should be ahead of Kenneth Walker in the Rookie of the Year voting. What do you think? Kenneth Walker, Rookie of the Year? Brock Purdy, Rookie of the Year? A couple of good candidates. Are you getting to one of the receivers? I think it's extremely difficult what Brock Purdy has done. To come into the situation with the expectations that the 49ers have – and then 
only heighten those type of, those expectations to where it's like, ah, you know, they really want a Super Bowl with this kid. And I think for for that, you have to lean towards him, but he didn't play all year. And Kenneth Walker, I mean, he missed some time as well. So if there is a time where a guy can win the Office of Rookie of the Year award while only playing six or seven games or whatever it is, this might be the year. Because outside of that, like, who is the guy? Like, who is the, oh, this is the Office of Rookie of the Year. Brees Hall was primed for it, but he tore his ACL. Early in the season, um, you, it, it goes to a quarterback. If there's ever a good quarterback, Brock Purdy only played six games. Um, the the first round quarterback, Brock Purdy, had twice as many touchdown passes in half as many games as Kenny Pickett did. And I mean, what Brock Purdy did, it's just it's just the amount of games. I, I think some people, I think, I think not enough voters will even consider Brock Purdy because he didn't play enough games. But I think if you consider Brock Purdy and then you look at him being in the six games he played, undefeated, led the league, we're talking the league, everybody, not just rookies, in touchdown passes during that time, in passer rating during that time, a number of other categories, he was that good. So if he did that for a whole year, I mean, we're talking about a shoe-in runaway rookie of the year. But did right. he do it because you've got a couple of thousand-yard receivers, the Ohio State wide receivers, which is probably, I think, where the where the award's going to go, either to Garrett Wilson or Chris Olave, and then you have a thousand-yard runner in Kenneth Walker as well. So I, I would imagine one of those three guys is going to get it, but Brock Purdy deserves to be in the conversation. I just don't think he played enough games to get enough consideration because yeah. some voters just won't even consider him and vote for him at all. Right, which I wouldn't either. If I was a voter, I, I would not consider him because he didn't play half the year. He didn't right. play half the year. I think uh, someone pulled that stat up before. Like, what's the least amount of games someone has played and still won uh, Rookie of the Year? And it was like 12 starts or something like that for the quarterback or something like that. So, I mean, he's kind of way off that number. By the way, a rookie quarterback uh, – I'm sorry, a, a rookie seventh-round quarterback hasn't won a playoff game since, guess the year, Croc? 19 – 83. Yeah, the right century. 1978. You're close. You're within five years of that one. Um, Matt Castles played a couple of playoff games and did not win those. Or, uh, yeah. Um, let me see if I can find the exact stat here. I thought I saved it somewhere. Real quick, while you're looking um, for that, that's why this is so unique. There are a lot of people that are like, oh, I knew I knew Brock Purdy would be a baller. I knew he, this. And it's like, that. it really never happens. So there's people kind of like taking like these victory laps. I'm saying, well, I knew Brock Purdy would be, he'd be this. It was like, we've never seen this. Like, you get get your head examined if you, if you thought this, because that, because that's crazy. Brock Brock Purdy's own family didn't believe this would be happening. Right. right. Um, If you, if you, if you said it, and there are people that, oh, Brock Purdy, I really like him. That's, um, they do the same thing about a lot of other players as well. You know, you can yeah, you can like, foresee it's not realistic for a seventh round pick to do the things and have these type of expectations and be able to execute the way that he has. Like you, you do not, you don't ever see that ever. It's one thing to say, oh, I like this kid. Maybe he should stick instead of Nate Sudfeld. You know that that's one thing. Be like, yeah, I like this. You know, I like this Brock Birdie kid. Uh, but it's something else to be like, oh, this guy's gonna be you know awesome and start games as a rookie and be really good like you, you got to have your head examined to even expect that because it just doesn't happen uh, and i was wrong i said rookie seventh round quarterbacks no it's just straight up seventh round quarterbacks since the merger only three seventh round quarterbacks have started a total of 
eight playoff games and the last one to win the last seventh round quarterback to win a playoff game was in 1978. And the last one to play in a playoff game was Matt Castle. And there's been undrafted free agents too, which is a bigger pool of players than seventh rounders. But uh, Matt Castle, an L in 2011 was the last one. He Go was back. a pro bowler too. Yeah. And he, he, he was a good find. And that, that was the last seventh rounder I can think of that did big things. Um, Gus Farratt had two in a row in 2000 and 2001. And he lost both of those. So you got to go all the way back to Pat Hayden. He lost his last attempt in 79, 78, December 31st, 1978. Pat Hayden of the Rams defeated the Minnesota Vikings. That's the last time a seventh round quarterback has won a playoff game. The, the, the reason why you typically don't see it, there's a, there is a talent gap between guys in, in seventh round and let's say first round quarterbacks. Like there's a, there is a talent, there's an ability and talent gap. So that's typically why you just don't see it. That the guys that are drafted later, they're not as talented. And I don't think Brock Purdy is as talented as Trevor Lawrence. But if you play the quarterback position well, which he's showing like, hey, I can work around whatever deficiencies I have. And then you have the the weaponry and those things. And it's like, well, maybe you can do what he is. And I think Brock Purdy is going to make somebody else money. I think Brock Purdy, you know, you look at some of these quarterbacks and I watch like TCU's quarterback and 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 uh, uh, Georgia's quarterback in the national championship game. And you, you look at um, uh, Stetson Bennett. Stetson Bennett, and yeah. it's like Stetson Bennett is not. It's like it's not first round quarterback, second round quarterback. But then you look at him and it's like, well, you see what Brock Purdy's doing, and it's like Stetson might have been a seventh round or, or a sixth round pick, and now he might be drafted a little bit higher just because somebody might say, well, I mean, look what Purdy's doing. By the way, Stetson Bennett, twenty five years old, he's almost three years older than. Than uh, than Trey Lance, two years older than Brock Purdy. That's wild, and he's not even a rookie until next year. Crazy stuff there. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about Adam Peters turning down some GM opportunities next, and we'll get into the chat for a few more keys to victory for this one. Get hyped! It's playoff time for the San Francisco 49ers Wild Card Weekend Saturday. And of course, you can bet on all of that action Saturday and Sunday and Monday for the wild card playoffs at betonline.net, your number one source for sports betting, information, stats, news, and analysis. Get yourself informed at betonline.net before you make those bets as well. Of course, weekly lines throughout the playoffs into the big game, um, draft props are popping up there at Bet Online, Super Bowl props. You can find tons of where, what team coach X is going to coach for which coach is going to be the coach for team X uh, tons of NFL props, college sports as well. Hoops, NBA, of course, esports, you name it, combat sports. You can find it at bet online. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at bet online as well. Always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting information. Head over to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more at bet online where the game starts. Hey, hey Peacock, real quick, yeah. I want to I want to touch on one thing I saw in the chat, and it says um, Purdy is actually using Kittle, isn't that's what kind of makes him great? But I'd say, and we kind of brought this up before, I don't really think so. And I'm looking at the 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 uh, game log right now for Kittle, and the and we'll say six games, right? Because we got one, two, three, four, five. Because he came in against Miami, and played most of that game. Kittle has only gone over thirty yards twice in the six games with Brock Purdy at quarterback. Like 30 yards. So he has used them more in the red zone, and we discussed red that. Zone. Red but, zone for sure. 
but as far as just like, like, oh man, killer balling is like two games over thirty yards in the six games that Purdy has been at quarterback. Like, it's not any earth shattering thing for him specifically. Now, I'd say some of the other people like Ayuk and things like that. Like it, it might be a little bit more, uh, you know. I think the yardage and things like that, you might see a difference for, for him, but nothing too crazy for Kittle outside of a couple games in the middle there. Are you surprised 49ers assistant GM Adam Peters turned down uh, opportunities to interview for the GM job with the Arizona Cardinals in the Tennessee Titans? Uh, the Titans one kind of surprised me. But if I'm a GM, if it were a potential GM, I want to go to a situation where, like, I, I I can really kind of shape this into like what I want it to be. So like uh, if Trent Baalke was fired last year and, and you get to go into that Jaguars situation with that quarterback there, it's like, okay, yeah. I take that with and I can build around him. You get to hire your own coach. That's a good situation. Right. If you now, go to, you go to Tennessee, Arizona, no way. No way I go to Arizona. Yeah. No way. Nobody likes Kyler Murray. <laughs> Everybody says the same things about him. He always kind of felt weird to me just watching him. Do you remember when he was going through the draft process and they were asking him questions and it was like he was just kind of sitting there and he looked like, oh, yeah. no, it was all weird. He would like look at his dad before he answered a question and he kind of was just didn't want to say anything. And I don't know if it was like, uh, it, it felt it's like, weird. why are you up there then? I felt like he was a hostage, right? Yeah. So yeah. Uh, he's always kind of been weird to me. And they talk about his leadership skills or lack thereof. I do not want to be tied to him for however long because they just paid him a ton of money. So I'm definitely not going there and dealing with that and, and having to play this guy at quarterback. So, yeah, with the Titans, do you really want to be – because he's – Adam Peters is a local guy, Cupertino, you know, grew up a 49ers fan. This is a really good job if you're not going to be at the top of the mountain. You know, if you're not going to be the top of the pyramid, be in charge of the entire organization, uh, and you're not going to – then, then this is a great situation for him. He's well paid for an assistant GM. I'm sure. I don't know what exactly his um, his salary is, but if you're going to go somewhere, it's got to be the right situation. So I can see him waiting. If you're not sure about ownership, if there's a city you don't want to live in, don't go there. Don't even take that job. Don't even take the interview. So I respect the heck out of him for that. And with Tennessee, Vrabel's in charge. He just got the last GM fired. So is that a situation you want to go in? You know, you're still not. Uh, you're still not the loudest voice in the room when you go to the Tennessee Titans. And so you already have that here with the 49ers where there's, uh, you know, you're under John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan. So uh, until you get that perfect job, I can see why he would wait. And yeah, I, thought, I was thinking, I saw in the chat package deal with D'Amico Ryans. I don't know if another job is going to open. Maybe he's going to wait for the next hiring cycle. Maybe he wants to get that ring first before he leaves San Francisco. Maybe he's waiting for John Lynch to do the same thing. I don't know. Uh, John Lynch did tell Tim Kawakami today that he's not going anywhere either. So I don't think that's really it. There's a lot of speculation that that's the case too. I just think he's waiting for the perfect job and he's earned the right to do that and he likes where he's at. So uh, good on Adam Peters. Maybe he'll stick around in San Francisco for one more season at least. If, if you have a great working environment and you're getting paid handsomely, it's like, why, why would I leave this for something that it might be a more unstable situation? Now, again, Tennessee is intriguing. That one is intriguing. You would have an opportunity to get a quarterback and you have a good defense in place and a good coach. But then again, you have a great coach. I think right. Vrabel is a high level coach that's getting handicapped by a mediocre quarterback. Even though it says GM instead of assistant GM you still don't have final say if you go to Tennessee. So I think that's probably why that would be a, a, a gig that you would turn down because you yeah. still aren't getting really necessarily more than you're getting. It's like an offensive coordinator that doesn't call plays. Yeah. yeah. 
which Lafleur just got fired, or they part mutually parted ways right, from yeah. the New York Jets. Is that somebody that comes back to the 49ers? Yeah, so uh, yeah, I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure he would have a spot for him here. Maybe he ends up with his brother in Green Bay. I could see, you know, if D'Amico Ryan's leaves and and tries to pluck somebody from the offensive staff of the 49ers, then maybe you know Michael Floor comes back and jumps into his old, you know, maybe say Bobby Slowick or somebody goes with D'Amico, then Michael Floor come back in and jump into his old pass game coordinator position with the 49ers. Um, but yeah, it's an interesting one. What sure. what jobs are open right now with coaching? Is it Carolina, Arizona? Uh, Carolina, Arizona, Denver Broncos. A lot of Colts. Heat. Yeah, Indianapolis Colts. And is there one more? A couple of coordinator That's jobs open. A couple GM jobs open. That might be the only four head coach jobs, though. Here, here is the thing. Let's say Carolina, right? If you're Carolina and you're D'Amico Ryan, because I think I like Tepper, the the owner for Carolina Panthers. He's not afraid to oh, spend money. That's for sure. Well, I'm going to go get Jimmy Garoppolo. Like, just pay Jimmy. I, and so if I'm D'Amico Ryan's, I'm I like I like Carolina. I go get Jimmy G. I like some of the weapons there. You know, build a bit more. But I mean, they have defensive. I mean, they got DBs. They got D line. I I think that would be. And it's like Bible Bell. I think it fits in with like the culture of like the South. Yeah. I would. Oh, uh, Houston Texans is the other one, which apparently, ah, yeah. apparently no, D'Amico cool. already shut that one down too. So. Yeah, Carolina. Carolina is where I would go if I'm D'Amico. Gage says, more worried about losing Brian Greasy. I think Brian Greasy is kind of the next hot name that might come out of the 49ers after D'Amico gets a job. I could absolutely see that with the with the job that was done with the quarterbacks this year with the quarterbacks coach. They might have to throw an extra tag on his name as well um, at some point in the near future. Um, yeah, how about this for D'Amico? So you go somewhere, go to like Indy or Carolina, you sign Jimmy, you trade for Trey Lance, and then just in case you draft a seventh round quarterback, and, and <laughs> if you can, just see if you can uh, pull off the 49ers thing again in a new spot. 49ers, uh, you sign Jimmy and you and you draft uh, maybe a guy mid round, but they do also have uh, the kid out of Ole Miss, uh, Matt Corral. No, oh, Corral, yeah. yeah, Corral, yeah, 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 yeah. Carolina Your has Matt Corral, forgot about so him. he got hurt, he yeah. got hurt like in the preseason, but I, I don't I mean, I, that, that could be your like if I'm gonna have a guy behind Jimmy. That has some talent. Like Matt Corral is talented. Carolina leaning toward Shane Steichen, maybe. I don't know. We'll find out. It's it's hard to comment on on assistant coaches sometimes. We know a lot about D'Amico Ryan's, but some of the other teams is you know it's like ah this is a good team. They probably got a good coach. I don't know. It's yeah. it's really hard. Um, but who is that Vikings? Like who who was he? He was the Vikings the, head coach right now. Rams offensive coordinator. Right, but it was like, and, and he and, came from somewhere else. I feel like no. There was like three in a row Rams offensive coordinators that came under McVay and got jobs. I, I think he came from – did he go from Kentucky to the Rams? Kentucky Wildcats to the Rams? And uh, the might Rams... Have. I'm not sure. I think so, something like that. All right, keys to victory here. Let's finish it up. Um, defense needs to be better according to BSE in the chat. Defense needs to be better in third and medium. Russell says, third and long has been our bane my entire life. I, I don't so know. third and long or third and medium. Which which yeah. one is it? Both third downs. I third downs just hurt, you know? Because you think, yeah, all right, let's get off the field. Oh, third down. Now they got another first down. I think it just feels that way. I don't I don't I don't know if that's really been the case. The 49ers have been worse than anybody else on third downs, but it just feels that way when the team is able to keep those drives alive. <laughs> well, I think part of the key to that, right, getting off the field would be 
Dion Jordan Noir being good. And I asked someone because, you know, he's kind of the, the hot name to pick on right now. Now, I get it. I Even I was like, eh, you know, how long are they going to stick with this? But, you know, we talked about the one play. Outside of the one play, it was a disastrous play. I thought he was, did well in that game. Right? I can't even think of anything off the top of my head where I'm like, oh, my gosh, Lenore, get him out of here. Uh, how did he do against Seattle in, the, in that second meeting? Because I think it was, it was mostly out there in the first meeting. So in the second meeting... How did Lenore do? And I, I don't remember his name being called. I, I know that uh, uh, DK and, and, and Traveris Ward and that whole battle, and that was getting all the love. But outside of that, Lenore was fairly quiet, which if you are a quarterback, that's pretty good. That that's You want it that way. That's another good one, though. DK Metcalf and Traverius Ward. It's worth the price of admission. I'll be watching that every single snap. And look, be smart, Ward. Don't get kicked out of the game or anything like that. Like, you know, this is the third time and these guys are already yeah. hot with each other. DK is going to come with it. So uh, that's one to watch. Don't don't have any bonehead penalties or anything like that. Yeah. Me, me and the Kimes, uh, she tweeted me and was like, I'm, I'm watching for Lenore. Yeah. Lenore versus Tyler Lockett. Yeah, Lenore. So that's Lockett, that's, would, that's that's should be a key to victory. Like if Lenore can hold his own, and don't just don't give up the explosive play, and don't and, let don't let because um, Geno Smith, you know, ha, has some athletic ability, can get out, extend some plays, and he's been pretty good at throwing the ball deep. So don't allow him the time to make those big plays, you know, deep overs or anything like that, where he's got all kinds of time to make a throw. So you know. it's got to be a big Bosa game. It's got to be a big D-line game to limit the time. So even if there is some coverage weirdness, Gino can't even find the guys. Doesn't have time to do it. Good good point by our, by our guy here, Mr. Moore. And he says, Demo had to pick six. And we talked about it earlier, but it's, it's one of those plays that just kind of goes in and out of your brain because it was called back. But yep. yeah, I talked about how quiet he was in that game. You didn't really hear anything. And it's like, well, oh yeah, he did have a pick six. Everybody drills him. So once people start drilling a certain guy, especially like Demo, it's like now... Eric Crocker has to put his cape on a little bit and just okay, yeah. hold, hold on, hold on, you know. Let, <laughs> let, let's see. Rough and call. I hated that rough and call in Bosa too, especially when it takes away a big play. Bosa's had a few of those this year. Yeah. I like this one. Mitchell has fresh legs, has never fumbled in his career. This might be one oh, of those gosh. games where you just ride Elijah Mitchell, Christian McCaffrey, little Mason in there as well, maybe in some TDP put Debo in the backfield. This might be a backfield game for the 49ers in bad weather. And uh, yeah, don't fumble. Uh, yeah, definitely hold on to the ball. And, and that was a, kind of a big thing. We talked about some of the games that got away from the 49ers, Atlanta Falcons, uh, Jeff Wilson, putting the ball on the ground return for a touchdown. And, you know, you do things like that. It, it can start to get a little weird. And the 49ers, I believe are 13 and oh, I know they're 12 and oh, and they won the turnover battle in the last game. They're, I think they're 13 and 0 this year. All of their wins, they were either even or ahead in the turnover margin at the end of the game. So that's obviously a huge one, especially in bad weather. I'm going to disagree with the past master here. He says, we could have taken the punter and made him into a confident quarterback, in my opinion. There's enough talent around whoever plays QB that will be rare to have to lean solely on him. Keep up the great work, guys. Appreciate the the love, past master. But I don't know. I, I think that's disrespecting what Purdy is doing right now. There's a lot of talent on the team, but we've seen some bad quarterback play and some bad quarterback games, even with all the talent the 49ers have had. Definitely. Definitely. <laughs> Definitely have. I, I think right now, though, I will say, I, I think that was kind of a more, uh, he's kind of being a little dramatic there on purpose. Exaggerating. There, That's the word I was looking for. 
but I do think that the level that this offense is playing at right now with the guys that are on the field does make it easier. Like in, in your head, if you can pick a quarterback and plug him into the situation, a quarterback that's solid, which now we know Brock Purdy is for sure, right? Uh, but you, you plug in a quarterback that's solid onto how these guys are playing right now, it would be, it feels like it would be hard to be bad. Yes. And if you're a quarterback, what, what more could you ask for? Okay. I've got a running game. I'm being well protected by my offensive line. I've got weapons to get the ball out to, and I've got a great defense that's going to keep giving me the ball back. Even if I make a mistake and make a turnover, I've got a team that can make up for that and give us the ball back. The 49ers, uh, I think I saw something like the 49ers only gave up 23 points on the entire season after turnovers, which is crazy because some of those turnovers are already in field goal range. Yeah, it's crazy. And and this is a team with that forces turnovers, and they consistently put a team in scoring position, which they did in the last Seahawks meeting. Right, where you return the ball to the five yard line. Like, heck yeah, think about being the quarterback in that game. It's like, heck yeah, man, I turn around and just hand the ball to somebody. They score real quick. Demo pick six. I know it got called back, but like this defense, it, it helps. So when you start talking about like complimentary football, I think that's been put on full display. The one time it didn't, obviously, was the Oakland Raiders, or excuse me, Las Vegas Raiders game. And I think that was kind of one of those games we wanted to see from Purdy. And I think he answered the call in that game where it's like, hey, even when we're not getting the stops and some of those things, like, hey, man, I can still uh, really contribute to this 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 game, uh, this win, and, and not be the weak link at all. I do feel like there's an opportunity for this game to be a lot closer than than people want to think. Uh, I picked – I, I want to get your prediction here to end this, Croc. I had the Niners by six yesterday, but I kind of don't like that. I feel like it's on the fence. The nine-and-a-half line at Bet Online. I feel like it's not going to go that way. I feel like it's going to be Niners by three touchdowns, or Robbie Gold's lining up for a game winner in the fourth quarter. Like it's going to be a three point game or a three touchdown game. You know, I I don't know if it's going to be that easy where the 49ers just have a nice little lead and that's it. And that's it. I would say that most playoff games are a little tighter than whatever we witnessed in the regular season. I was extremely confident uh, in this team. I'm still extremely confident right now. I money line 100% take the 49ers, but I do. It, it's going to be tighter. It's going to feel tighter. Pause. Then, yeah. <laughs> and, then, uh, somebody, you know, then those last like wins and you know that during that 10 game winning streak because 10 game winning streak felt like there's steamrolling teams. Somebody in the chat earlier said, Watch out for that sneaky Pete and his uh special teams trickery. So, yeah, uh, yeah. Pete, old Pete Carroll. Can the Niners knock off Pete three times in one year? I think uh, that would be pretty fun for a that lot would be amazing fans to watch that happen. And who knows, maybe he just walks off the field and into retirement and he'll be the third coach that leaves a team after the 49ers beat him down. Uh, but don't get ahead how of much, Wait, real quick. How, how much longer does he coach? He's, he's up there between him and I'm, and I watch him when I look at him he's starting to feel a little old, uh, yeah. Nick Saban. Yeah. Nick, oh, Nick 70. Saban. Well, he's 71 years old, but when you look at him, he just, he looks youthful, even though he's not like smiling or anything ever, but yeah. he just, yeah. he does not look old. Like maybe he takes care of himself. Les Miles, I watched this thing a, like a couple years ago. It was Les Miles on like Netflix or whatever it was on, ESPN or whatever. And he looked hella old. He's younger than Nick Saban. And it was like, I'm like, wow, this guy is old. <laughs> and Pete Carroll starting to kind of teeter that line where he's been kind of this youthful old man. And I was like, man, you're kind of, how old is he? You gotta be in the 70s, right? Yeah, he said I think 70, 71, something like that. Him and Bill Belichick are really close in age. 
And um, yeah, Pete was, I still, you know, he's still chewing the gum. He still has a lot of energy. I, I think it may be even uptick this year uh, with, with the season that he's had. I think he feels good about himself. Corbin yesterday said he expects him to coach two to three more years. And so he doesn't expect to, to a slam dunk that they're going to go develop a quarterback or anything like that. He thinks that they're going to build around uh, Gino maybe and, and try to win while they've got this, uh, this window here and, and then he'll walk away. But um, when you're that old, just like, just go, like, just go hang out with your wife for once. <laughs> like, bro, you're hella old. You've been there coaching. There reason why he has coached this long, so I don't think that, that's <laughs> You know where he started, right? Uh, like, you, Pacific? University Pacific? Stockton, UOP, baby! Yeah. UOP, Stockton, California, let's go! Yeah. You know, he uh, he went to UOP, I yeah, believe. Played DB, right? Played DB there. I think yeah. he played DB there, then started coaching him, Hugh Jackson, uh, John Gruden. Yep. Yeah, there's a Stockton, lot. Stockton, you know? That K- Real two uh, niners SF State and um and U UOP and and Sac State and yeah it's a hotbed of coaching talent here in California yeah right there in the two hundred nine all right gonna be fun I can't wait playoff football yeah a little extra butterflies right and uh, the Seahawks are definitely the team you don't want to lose to so 49ers, get your game faces on go out there handle some business. Saturday to kick off the playoffs, wild card weekend, 1.30 Pacific time. And, of course, Croc and I will be back uh, later Saturday to break it all down with you all right here. Locked on 49ers.